This is 20 Pages a Week, where together you and I will read all the way through the Bible in a year. I'm Hal Hammonds, and I'm here to help. I'll supply one story that grabbed my attention, one verse I found particularly interesting, and one word I couldn't get out of my mind. The rest is up to you. This is Quarter One, Lesson 8. The reading is Ruth and 1 Samuel. We'll start with my first impressions. Have you ever noticed how God just takes his time about his business? We would prefer him to hurry things along sometimes, especially when our own personal benefit is in question. But oftentimes God accomplishes his will in a long, drawn-out process. The book of Ruth is a great example of this. It's a story of one woman, not an especially remarkable woman, not even an Israelitess, a woman who was brought into the fold of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, given a home there, a family, and ultimately a child. And then at the very end of the story, oh, by the way, that baby that she had, that baby had another baby. And that baby had another baby. And that baby turned out to be King David. I find that fascinating. The idea that God would build up to the climax, as it were, like this. And the story of David is the same way. David is introduced in chapter 16, And he's the youngest of an obscure family, but he's anointed king. But he doesn't become king. He becomes eventually a hero and a confidant and a friend and a warrior and a general. By the time we get to the end of 1 Samuel, he still hasn't become king. But he will get there. He has confidence because he believes in the anointing of God. That's the main reason why he doesn't lash out against Saul. Why two times he has the opportunity to take Saul's life when Saul is trying desperately to kill David, and he refuses to take his life. David was able to be patient just like we're supposed to be patient. I love the verse in 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, that David was strengthened in the Lord his God. That's what we need to do while we're waiting for God to get around to doing what he says he's going to do. Be strengthened. Find strength in God. Find strength in prayer. Find strength in his word. God will take care of us in the end. He gives us his word. Really, the entire narrative of First and Second Samuel is about David, about the reign of David, his ascension to the throne. But before we deal with David, we have to deal with Saul. And I'd like to spend a couple of minutes talking about Saul here today. Saul was the anointed of God, just like David was. Samuel takes the flask of oil in chapter 10 and anoints Saul and tells him everything that's going to happen to him in the coming days. He says this search party that is out looking for him, they're going to find him, they're going to bring him back home, he's going to find this, he's going to be carrying that, and ultimately uh, the Spirit of the Lord is going to rush upon you, he says in verse number 6, when these signs come, do for yourself what the occasion requires, because God is with you, he says in verse 7. And then verse 8, we read, and you shall go down ahead of me to Gilgal, and behold, I will be coming down to you to offer burnt offerings and sacrifice peace offerings, you shall wait seven days until I come to you and inform you of what you should do. Now that almost gives the impression that this is something that's going to happen in the next few days. As it turns out, it's not. This is a much more drawn-out process. Saul may or may not have understood that. But the basics of the story are pretty clear. When he gets to Gilgal, he's going to meet with Samuel there, and Samuel's going to make an offering. And this is all going to be part of Saul's consolidation of power. And so Samuel and Saul part, And immediately, these things start happening. Saul is, in fact, overwhelmed with the Spirit. He is, in fact, crowned king. And after a while, he does find himself, as had been promised well back, 
waiting for Samuel at Gilgal. And the Philistines are amassing their troops. Things are getting a little tense. And Saul decides he doesn't want to wait any longer. He convinces himself that it would be better for him to go ahead and make the offering himself instead of waiting on Samuel. This is what chapter 13 tells us. This defines his time as king. He was willing to accept all of these things from God and to a certain degree perform in the presence of God. But ultimately, Saul's going to do what he feels is best. David's going to prove to be much different. He's going to receive his anointing in a much more noble way. He'll have make his mistakes too, of course, but by and large, he'll prove himself to be a man after God's own heart. But that's a story for next week. Well, my wife will have my head if I go through 1 Samuel and don't talk about Hannah at all. So I will refer you to 1 Samuel 2 and verse 10. This will be the verse that I'm focusing on today. Those who contend with the Lord will be terrified. Against them he will thunder in the heavens. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth, and he will give strength to his king, and will exalt the horn of his anointed. This is part of the Song of Hannah that we find here at the beginning of the story. Hannah is going to ultimately be the mother of Samuel, who will be the one who anoints both Saul and David later on. We would expect Hannah probably to spend most of her time in this song praising God for what she herself is going to receive. But this verse is talking about something beyond that. Samuel himself is not going to be the anointed in the fullest sense of the word. Hannah is here singing about the coming of a king, not the coming of a judge as her son would be. But when we see here that he's going to give strength to his king, that he will exalt the horn of his anointed, it's impossible for me to read that and not think about Jesus. The coming of the king into the nation of Israel was only a precursor to the much greater king who was going to come later on. Jesus is going to be the truly anointed one of God. In fact, the word Christ means anointed. As God's anointed one, he is going to implement God's rule on earth in a way that had never been seen before. Well, we've already used the word king so often in the study here today that I feel almost compelled to use king as our one word. In 1 Samuel 12, 12 and following, Samuel is recounting the events that led to the appointment of a king in the first place. And he says, when you saw that Nahash, the king of the sons of Ammon, was coming against you, you said to me, no, but a king shall reign over us. Yet the Lord God was your king. And now behold, the king whom you've chosen, whom you've asked for, and behold, the Lord has put a king over you. If you will fear the Lord and serve him and listen to his voice and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then both you and the king who reigns over you will follow the Lord your God. The partnership between nation and king is central here. It's all part and parcel with the general obligation of the nation to follow after the things of God, to worship the Lord their God and Him only. Now, the nation was never all that great about that, but in theory, at least, the king was going to be a help to this. This concept partners very well with what we read over and over again in the book of Judges, how there was no king in Israel. And usually that phrase goes along with some acts of absolute barbarity and atrocity and rebellion against the things of God. That happened in the absence of a king. The way it's supposed to work is that the king will guide the nation in the ways of righteousness. Of course, that should have been the case even without a physical king, because as the text says here, the Lord God was your king. But no, they wanted somebody physical, somebody to lead them, to fight their battles, which is kind of an irony given what happens in chapter 17 with Goliath. 
There doesn't seem to be any way that Saul was ever going to lead that battle. In any event, though, our need for leadership is real. And when Jesus comes as our king, it's even more important for us to look to leadership, to look to authority, and trust that this appointed one of God, the anointed one, has our back, that he is there with us, fighting with us, advocating for us at all times. When we can remember who our king is, and we can see him as an extension of the rule of God in our lives, then we can be emboldened to actually accomplish God's purposes in our lives. It would be nice if carnal kings, if carnal government would accomplish the same purposes, but we've long since given up hope on that. But Jesus is always going to be faithful. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This king is going to lead us to glory. We can have absolute confidence in that. Thanks for listening to 20 Pages a Week. Please don't hesitate to reach out with your stories about your trip through the Bible this year. I'd love to hear from you. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and share with your friends. And check out my other podcast, Citizen of Heaven. I'll see you next week. We'll be reading 2 Samuel. God bless and keep reading.